Unfortunately, it is at that moment a shift in his weight collapses the entire <gasps> thing. His what? feet punch through the floor, sending a cascade effect that ruins the entire two-year build. The firewall just disintegrates. The engine liquefies as it crashes through the crumbling frame and onto the floor. Nothing is spared, save for maybe the radiator, whose fall was broken by the front of the engine turning into a waterfall of bricks. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. I want you to pound the Jeep Talk Show, and I promise you we're both going to enjoy it. Oh, dear. Here we go. <laughs> no consent required. I none, none whatsoever. I think I just gave it. <laughs> so let people know you love the Jeep Talk Show by using the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on every social media post that you make. Hey, the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that is also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeeper. We're glad you're here. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, it's been a bad week for Jeep news, and there's a couple of somber stories I'm going to have to share. And later, I've got a quick tip for anybody interested in checking the condition of their own Jeep's coolant. Stick around. Well, howdy, it's Wendy, and make sure you check out my newbie nuggets sections on Friday's episode. You never know what I'm going to come up with and what topics I'm going to talk about for the newest of Jeepers. Always good topics, though. Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and coming up on Jeep Life, part two of When You Go Bigger. Hi, I'm Tony, and I had a great time at the Lone Star Jeep Invasion, but I'll probably wait till next week to talk about it. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And the question this week, in a top of a lot of Jeep's news, is will Jeep be held responsible for a little girl's death? In 2015, in an area of North Phoenix, Arizona, an accident occurred between several vehicles. Ordinarily, this isn't a big deal. You know, everybody gets uh, their information exchanged and life goes on. But in this incident involving a Jeep, life did not go on for one little girl. A four-year-old Vivian Varela was securely strapped into her car seat in the middle of the backseat of her mom's Lexus car. A 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee was approaching the slowing and stopped traffic at a rate of about 70 miles per hour and suddenly changed lanes as if to take the exit. The driver of the Jeep clearly didn't see that the exit ramp was blocked, uh, backed up with traffic and hitting her brakes and swerving way too late, the Jeep slammed into the back of the Lexus, crumpling the car like a wet paper bag, killing the girl instantly. Seven years later, seven years later, the Arizona Supreme Court ruled just this week that the lawsuit filed by Vivian Valera's parents can proceed after a lower court ruled that a federal law preempted Valera's claims that Fiat Chrysler, who owned Jeep at the time, chose profits over safety. The lawsuit alleges that FCA, Jeep's parent company at the time, had taken safety, uh, taken a safety feature, in this case, called automatic emergency braking, a safety feature that helps prevent rear-end accidents, and used it only in the higher-end models of this vehicle. AEB, that automatic emergency braking, was only available on higher-priced models of the 2014 Grand Cherokee. 
For instance, to get automatic emergency braking, shoppers would have to buy it in a package with other non-safety-related upgrades, such as premium wheels or an upgraded entertainment system. FCA's response was basically that they extend their deepest sympathies for the family's loss and injuries suffered from an inattentive driver, and that they look forward to presenting the automaker's defenses to the trial court. Likely, this suit will be thrown out, dismissed, or settled out of court for an undisclosed sum of money. The family filing the suit will have a lot to prove in order to win a case like this, and since the 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee in question fully complied with all applicable federal motor vehicle safety standards at the time, it's going to be a hard case to prove for sure. Combined with a likely defense from the automaker that no technology, even at today's current standards, would have prevented the 2015 accident from happening. At the time of this recording, no trial date has yet been set. Well, although I'm sorry to hear about the loss of the child, I do want to say, honestly, it's the driver who, what the heck yeah. are they doing at 70 miles an hour with traffic slowing? I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't think there's any program out there that would have done anything differently. And I just hate when people file these suits going after, quote, the deep pockets. I mean, it's just, it's got to stop somewhere. Well, I mean, there's nothing they can do to bring back the, the life of their child. So I can certainly understand that they want to do something. They need to do well, something. I agree. And and, and, and I, I, I feel that. But this, to me, sounds a lot like uh, the sue and the spoon for making you fat. Well, that's exactly and right. The, and the pencil for, for spelling errors. It, yeah. it, it's the driver of the Jeep that had the responsibility to control their speed, make sure that they got the text message done before they needed to hit the brakes. Well, and how about <laughs> Lexus, for instance? I thought they had one of the top safety features. Why are they not being looked at for having a rear end and doing that? I mean, how is it possible that Lexus would be crumpling I, I like was, that? I, I was concerned. <laughs> I was concerned that this was going to go, that the, the Jeep is just too sturdy. You need to make the Jeep less sturdy. It needs to have. Oh, a, it, be, right. it needs to be able to be crumply and and not, you know, Maybe not survive a crash. Actually, Tony, yeah. but uh, no. Un unfortunately, um, you know, it, I think the precedent has been set with with uh, lawsuits like this. We can go back to um, the, uh, the the issue with uh, uh, Remington Remington Firearms and mm -hmm. uh, and settling that lawsuit for seventy three million dollars oh, for the San so families. No, I mean, that was a tragic, tragic shooting and that, that, you know, that likely could have been avoided, but it wasn't the manufacturer's fault. No. Uh, no. Oh, is the person wielding the tool at the time. The I mean, idiot a hammer behind the... Just as deadly as, as a gun or a vehicle for that matter, uh, it all depends on how the person is using it at the time. So, you know, it's... It, it, these those kind of precedences unfortunately have been set that have opened the doors for these kinds of lawsuits against the companies that, I mean, clearly... We're at zero fault for something like this from happening when somebody at the wheel was being stupid, traveling way too fast and not paying attention. So everybody remembers fuel, oil, and fertilizer, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Because you can do a lot of damage with uh, a, a rented truck and a fuel oil and uh, fertilizer. Oh, yeah. Screwdrivers and hammers. Screwdrivers, in hammers. This, in this country than anything else. But, you know, we're not uh, suing the hammer company. Or butter the knives. Screwdriver company. I mean, it, it's it's not the tools, it's the people. And that's yes. that's where it needs to be addressed. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, something tells me a civil lawsuit uh, went nowhere or, you know, they're, they're, they just didn't get enough. I mean, I understand you, you lost your only child's life. It's devastating Horrible. to any family. Absolutely. Uh, I, don't, I don't wish that on, on anybody. Uh, but to, to go after a vehicle manufacturer as if it was their fault, 
Ah, man, it's I, you're reaching for straws. I'm sorry this has was, happened to you. Was the driver? But, did the driver work for Jeep? Is that what might might, might be part of it? If was, no, was I that did, the I engineer did, that? Uh, <laughs> at least I couldn't see. Yeah, they were responsible for the Grand Cherokees. Uh, that particular one, they were the QC that signed <laughs> off on, the, on that one. No, I, there, there's nothing that goes that deep on, uh, on this. Uh, uh, but uh, you're, you're right, Tony. It, it it shouldn't it shouldn't be happening. The the accident shouldn't have happened to begin with, uh, and right. all this. Very, very horrific. I hope those little girls' parents find some peace uh, sooner or later. It's just a too. horrible, horrible situation. And, and, and seriously, heartfelt. Uh, I mean, I've got kids. I would hate to lose one. Exactly. And I would understand the, the, the drive that you have to do something uh, to, about this. So uh, I understand. Well, in our next story, there's a drive that went completely wrong, uh, ended up in another loss of life. A 47-year-old Jeeper was killed uh, Thursday morning, and that was these, this morning as we record this episode by a front-end loader. That's a very large, heavy machinery type of piece of equipment. And in Auburn Hills, Michigan, a city employee is on paid administrative leave today after crashing into a Jeep Thursday morning, killing the driver. At about 6.03 a.m. today, a 47-year-old woman was driving on Brown Road just west of Giddings Road when she was struck by a Caterpillar front-end loader. The woman, a Lake Orion resident, was reportedly unresponsive and declared dead at the scene. Video from the scene showed the woman's vehicle, a brand spanking new 2021 Jeep Wrangler, completely totaled from the crash, which had thrown the Jeep up on the lawn of a nearby business. Auburn Hills police say the front-end loader was was being operated by a 42-year-old man who does work for the city. The man was reportedly pulling out of the city's Department of Public Works property and onto eastbound Brown Road when he collided with the Jeep. City police say the man was not injured in the crash and has been cooperating with authorities during their investigation. They say that neither alcohol nor drugs appear to be any factor in this crash. The investigation is ongoing. You know, there's really good visibility in these things. I'm really surprised that he didn't see the Jeep. Or yeah, that the Jeep I, didn't see the tractor coming out. I mean, depends on exactly. how it was coming out. Was it a, a wall that she couldn't see the thing? Or was she going too fast or distracted? Or was the guy distracted in the tractor? I mean, Well, I mean, if you're the one pulling out onto the thoroughfare, you're, it's your responsibility to make sure it's a good time to pull out. I would agree. Yeah. And this was a, a head-on collision, so the Jeep was driving into the the front of the uh, of the front end loader. I, I oh just, man! Well, maybe if it they were on the wrong like, side of the road, then yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm wondering if mm-hmm. speed was a factor in this. If, mm-hmm. if she was being unattentive, uh, had drifted over, looked up at the last second, and I mean, those front end loaders can't exactly move very quickly. I mean, yeah, they can get up and, and going, you know, 25, 35 miles an hour if they have to. Zero to uh, 60 in three minutes, 25 seconds. They certainly can't <laughs> turn on a dime. They certainly can't stop very fast. And they'd have, you know, virtually no maneuverability, at least in a kind of an emergency type of situation. Uh, and, and so there was no avoiding this by the uh, by the operator if, indeed, you know, um, he was just sort of going down in, in a path that he was supposed to be in and, and traveling mm-hmm. at a rate of speed in his own lane. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, probably a perfect storm of events. Maybe glare, sunshine was a factor. I was in just going to say, at six in the morning, maybe the sun was just coming up, and it was right. in a position that somebody couldn't see. Whichever I've been one, those you kinds know? of situations. I, dr- I drove a where where a certain part of the year there was about two months where it just mm-hmm. sucked to crest yeah. this hill at this time in the morning because you got a big old face full of just blazing oh, sun. That's true. Sun. Yeah. And it was hard as hell to see the next vehicle in front of you without, you know, blocking 90% of the road by your sun visor. 
So, yeah, I mean, there could be any number of factors to this. Uh, I, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, the, the guy who is uh, the city worker uh, doesn't lose his career, um, you know, or his livelihood over all this. I'm sure that he'll never be the same no. after, you know, uh, uh, going through all of this. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to both families for that matter. Uh, but I'm mean, still that's just another tragic accident that uh, is filling the news this week. So, well, so, I, so Josh, I, I, I'm, I just got a text message, and I'm not quite sure how they know about this, but they're asking, are they going to be parting out the uh, 2021 Wrangler? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> God, Wait, damn it. <laughs> and you know what? And I, I have a quick question. So it's Monday morning, and this is the two stories you're starting with. Do we have a positive story to follow up with? Or oh, he's, well, I was Josh is just in a bad mood. You know, with, with <laughs> I'm just it's Monday. This, I mean, of course, we're all in a bad mood. <laughs> you know, with, with all this death, I figured we should have some destruction. So oh, you know, like okay. like many kids my age, I, I grew up playing with Legos, and they oh, are yeah. probably responsible for at least in some part for the way I am today. I love mm -hmm. Legos and how after hours, days, or even weeks of work, it can all come crashing into a brick-exploding end in just mere seconds, or as engineers call it, an unplanned rapid disassembly. A new video has surfaced on the interwebs this week, and it shows the Sheffield Lego user group in time-lapse building an actual life-sized Lego Jeep, which mimics a World War II-era Willys Jeep, and it took the group over two years to complete it. However, all that work didn't last long as two builders attempted to climb inside for photos. The first, <laughs> the first person was successful, carefully slipping in and then slipping out of the driver's seat without issue, getting a few photos in the meantime, and is all good. The second person, a little bit portly than the first, uh, will never live the next few moments down. He delicately, as he can, climbs in, clearly worried about the Jeep holding his weight, but he does eventually find his way into the jeep however he is unable to sit down but the lego jeep holds while people off camera take a few photos unfortunately it is at that moment a shift in his weight collapses the entire <gasps> thing his what? feet punch through the floor sending a cascade effect that ruins the entire two-year build the firewall just disintegrates. The engine liquefies as it crashes through the crumbling frame and onto the floor. Nothing is spared, save for maybe the radiator, whose fall was broken by the front of the engine turning into a waterfall of bricks. It's oh. sort of sad to see any Jeep being destroyed, even if it is one made out of tiny plastic bricks, but I suppose it would have been even worse if the destruction had happened right before completion. At least the guys got to finish the build, right, and even have the pics to prove it. The Jeep held up long enough for a few photos with, the, with each of the builders sitting in the life-size toy, and they even got one heck of a video out of the whole thing as well. If you'd like to see the short clip for yourself, and I highly encourage you to do so, mm. it is entertaining. We'll have a link to the YouTube video in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, Josh, Gosh. this is not an unusual situation at all because uh, the XJs in Michigan, uh, this happens all the time, uh, usually... <laughs> Right through the floorboard, yeah. <laughs> it just collapses from the rust. <laughs> oh, um, you know, what would have been interesting is to see the faces of the people as this was happening and unfolding. I can't even oh, imagine the hard you, work. You, you, you do. You get oh, to you see, it, see it, it all in, in oh, real time, wait. as it were. So, yeah, we got a, we got I the link. Uh, it takes you right to, to YouTube. It's, it's a very short video, three, four, six minutes long, whatever it is. It's not very long. 
I, I would honestly say most of the video is of the guy trying to get into the Jeep. Now, you do get to see the Jeep coming to fruition. They do a time lapse of over across the two-year period of time and okay. condense two years of, of building this Lego Jeep into about 30 seconds. And it's pretty amazing how it comes to be in, as they do it in sort of sub-assemblies. The frame is built, it brought into, in, into place, and they support it with some jack stands and stuff. And, you know, the wheels come in, the floorboard comes in, the firewall comes in, you know, they got the grill and all that. Everything is sort of built off-camera and then brought in as a sub-assembly and put together as a unit as they build this Jeep part by part, piece by piece, and you get to see it all come together into one fully, there it is, a life-size Lego Jeep. And, uh, and it looks really cool, to be honest. It's uh, it's kind of patchwork colors. Uh, the, the coloring, I, I could have, you know, maybe some spray paint would have uh, gone a long way on or this one. Just but. get the same color Legos, man. <laughs> you, don't, right? don't. you know, I, I get what they did, though. They, they kind of tried to do it, uh, you know, correct to everything. And, and honestly, uh, you know, a lot of thought and work did go into oh, this. yeah. And then the video slows down into real time, and you get to see uh, the smaller of the two gentlemen who who built this thing uh, very delicately crawl into it and then crawl out of it for his uh, for his little you know bit of a fun with it behind the camera. Uh, and then the next guy comes in, and he's clearly a good forty pounds, I would say, over the next guy over the first guy's weight, and and you could tell he's worried. I don't think this is going to hold me. And he's trying to figure out how to get in. Should I do this foot first? Should I do that foot first? Can't quite figure it out. He finally <laughs> gets in there. Can't quite sit down because, well, again, he's, you know, probably not in the best of shape and, and can't, can't, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a floor and a seat. It's just sort of there. Right. Uh, and kind of squat into place. And it's as he's sort of shifting his weight to unsquat himself. Uh, is when everything goes well, wrong. Well, when you shift that from one foot to the other, the PSI on how much uh, pressure is being oh. put on those Legos goes up drastically. So Substantially. Yeah. And, and you can see they, they, they show it in real time and then they slow it down. So you get to see a big slow motion uh, uh, version of this whole rapid unplanned disassembly. Uh, happening right before your eyes and, and and the you know the people's faces and everything i mean it's all in good humor they managed to get the goal they managed to complete the jeep and everything like that they got what they wanted i'm sure that they really wanted this thing to live on in perpetuity possibly end up in a museum somewhere but yeah that's well, unfortunately going to take another two years worth of work well the great <laughs> news is now they don't have to worry about uh, breaking it down uh, trying to move it they just uh, get a couple of bags oh, and uh, fill them up so I'll, I'll mention really quick that you do not have to go to YouTube to see this because it will be in our show notes for episode 575, and you'll be able to watch this video directly from the Jeep Talk Show website. And of course, in the meantime, if you have a news tip response to any one of our stories, even if it's this one or one that you've heard a few episodes back, let us know what you have to say by heading over to jeeptalkshow.com contact to find out how to reach out. Hey, stick around. We've got an interview with Brett Crane coming up from VisitDrummondIsland.com. You've heard about Drummond Island here on the show more than a couple of few times. We're going to get the inside info from Brett Crane herself. I had no idea how big that was or how cold it gets there. It was a really <laughs> interesting interview. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, we want you to tell a friend about the 4x4 Radio Network as well. You know, there's something for every kind of wheeler over at the 4x4 Radio Network, so be sure to spread the word and tell them about all the kinds of different shows that you can find at the 4x4 Radio Network. Just head over to the number 4, the letter X, the number 4, and radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. The Jeep Talk Show, we'll see you there. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? 
new talk show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, The Jeep Dog Show. I support a great podcast and a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. Oh, yeah, definitely. We really enjoy doing the show, and we're so uh, very pleased that you take the time to listen. And uh, if you'd like to be called a rat bastard, that's another perk for being uh, listening to this show. <laughs> if, oh, gee, that's just what I've always wanted. If you, don't, <laughs> if you don't know, and you should by now, but we have new people all the time, if you're listening for free, you're a rat bastard. Uh, so if you'd like to remove that rat bastard uh, tag, you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, scroll on down, and you'll see where you can become a paid subscriber. I mean, you can get in on a basic subscription. Just look for uh, Josh's picture. And, hey. uh, <laughs> and every subscription now includes a Jeep Talk Show sticker. So, bah, you just, you, you know, great in- information, great entertainment, and a sticker. What more could you want? From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, last week you guys said that they were going to end 3G soon. Uh, that is ridiculous. They will never do away with 3Gs. With the 3Gs being Gatorade, Gummy Bears, and Graham Crackers. Come on, life without that just can't carry on. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you guys I was in an accident the other day. Oh, and when no. I woke up in the hospital, I had a female doctor who told me, I don't want to alarm you, but you can't feel anything from the waist down. So, yeah, sadly, I just reached up and grabbed her breast. Oh, All right, boys and girls. <laughs> That's making me laugh. I'll chat at you later. Have a good one. Bye. You know, it's oh. funny when it's cracking me up. <laughs> Wendy, uh, his wife, is looking at him from across the room, yeah. out the side of her eyes. Yes, she is. <laughs> She's like, you, d- you didn't say that, did you? <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. They're going to think you really did that. No, they're not. Trust me. <laughs> I, mi- I miss Tammy. Tara said it. I miss Tammy. Josh, hands down, driving a... 99 watt XJ is the most knowledgeable person I've ever met. Tony in his TJs, XJs, JTs, everything he's got, phenomenal. Doesn't know everything. He researches, or Josh researches, and he knows it after that fact. Wendy does a fantastic job. Bill keeps her straight. <laughs> but I think Bill keeps a lot of that straight. I could be wrong because hands down love her and her knowledge and keeping trails clean and doing everything she does. But Tammy, new to the Jeep life, coming in, doing things, getting it done, has impressed me. I just wanted to say that. Giddy up. Love you, talk to you. I'm going to pass out here in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you don't pass out on one of the dogs. <laughs> yes. Hey, how long has it been since you've done a coolant flush on your Jeep? Do you even know the condition of your Jeep's antifreeze? Well, if you have a digital voltmeter, I've got a way you can test it your very self. 
To test your Jeep's coolant with a voltmeter, set your digital voltmeter onto the lowest DC setting as possible and dip the positive probe right into the coolant. It's okay just to let it sit in there. It's, it's fine. Then grab the negative probe and touch that to the negative battery terminal and have somebody rev the engine up to about 2,000 RPM. If the reading is over one half of one volt, you know, 0.5, your coolant is toast. Now, obviously, to do this test, you'll need a digital voltmeter and somebody else that can push the gas pedal while you dip, touch, and read. Now, I shouldn't have to say this, but you'll want to have the Jeep cooled down so you don't burn yourself opening the radiator cap with a hot engine. Coolant plays an important role in preventing corrosion inside of our Jeep's engines caused by electrolysis. Electrolysis occurs when two dissimilar metals start swapping electrons in electrolyte solution, causing the metals to corrode. And since a Jeep's engine can have all sorts of metals in different parts, things like aluminum, copper, cast iron, steel, magnesium alloys, all can be present, and electrolysis will slowly eat away at its different metal components. Coolant has an additive in there to prevent all of that electron swapping from happening, but as coolant ages, the additives are depleted and can't do the job anymore. When this happens, the coolant becomes more conductive, and you'll see that in the reading on your voltmeter. That's really interesting, actually. I'm looking at the picture that you supplied in the show notes. And at first, when you started, I was thinking, should this be a don't try this at home, folks? <laughs> it's almost like you have, you're touching the battery and what's going to happen. Boom. So, yeah, you're combining you know, like the electricity of the yes. battery and the water of the cooling system. Yes. Like, we all know electricity and water don't mix. You know, no. never bring the toaster into the bath with you. No, and, no, no, no. You know, you're kind of uh, dipping a toe in those waters here. You know, <laughs> is this dangerous? No, this this isn't dangerous. You know, you're you're only dealing with 12 volts for one. Uh, and for two, you're pretty much isolated by the by the jacket of the probes, uh, you know, and all of that, and the the, the equipment itself. You're you're more yeah. or less disconnected from everything. I mean, you're not touching a finger from one side and then licking the radiator with the other. I mean, you, you know, there's there, there's ways to you know to you know, put yourself in harm's way. This is definitely not one of them, and it gets you a very accurate reading as to the, uh, the how good you're and how much life you've got left in your in the coolant of your Jeep. No. So, just a question out of this, are you looking for zero as the number, or what would the you're reading be for, that's normal? You're looking, you're looking for 0.5 or less. If anything less. is okay. over that, if, any, if you're over that, now 0.6, you could probably get away until your next oil change or something like got that. 0.7, man, we're probably going to be wanting to schedule a flush in the coming future. If you've got a volt or more... Uh, showing well, you're you're you need to do something about it ASAP. Especially got if you're it, coming into it. the summer or you're coming into winter when you need your coolant to perform the best. And if you have anything to add for uh, this tech talk or any other, be sure to leave us a question or uh, leave us a voicemail and uh, head over to JeepTalkShow.com/contact right now and find out how to reach out. Are you there? This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Trim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And, and you're listening to the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview.
Mighty ho, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking. Oh, and you know what? I didn't ask you before. Is it Brett? Yes, it's Brett. Like it's B R E T T E. And I just knew it was going to be some sort of fancy thing. My wife likes to call Target Target. <laughs> and I figured it was going to be something like that. And I was just going to be butchering the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I get Brite a lot. Brite, I like Brite. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brett has been working with Drummond Island Tourism Association as the Director of Marketing and Event Coordination since the spring of 2021. She visited the island in 2018 on a backpacking trip and fell in love with the area so much that she moved up two weeks later. She's been there ever since. Brett uh, spends uh, most of her uh, free time in the warm months off-roading, hiking, kayaking, and biking uh, the island with her dogs uh, snowshoeing. Oh, well, I thought the dog's name was snowshoeing. You, but you've been uh, snowshoeing, ice fishing, and walking across uh, the frozen bays in the winter months. Oh, that's got to be neat and scary. <laughs> she owns a black 1960 CJ5 Willys. Uh, Jeep three speed that she occasionally takes on a crawling speed ride to Marblehead, uh, not down the steps. <laughs> we had somebody talking about steps recently on an interview, so yeah, they they're not step friendly either. Uh, she uh, typically hits the trails uh, on her side by side. Her favorite Jeep color is black. Oh, I, I gotta I don't have the sound to play right now. Uh, that's a fail, uh, <laughs> Brett Brette. I'm gonna call you Brette because you like black. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, black really does show off the mud, as uh, as you say. Uh, you can learn more about Drummond Island and its trails uh, and all else it has to offer at visitdrummondisland.com. So just the, the three words all together, visitdrummondisland.com. Now, Brett, I got to ask you, got to start off with, how many jokes do you hear about uh, different strokes every day? I'm honestly not too many. <laughs> <laughs> you know the you know oh, yeah, the connection, right? right? Some people watch what they say. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was Mr. Drummond. He was the one that had uh, the the daughter and uh, the two adopted boys in that uh, that series. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, gave, I don't get that one too much. Oh, good. It's a, it's either so stupid <laughs> nobody would do it, or uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, I asked Chris about that because he was uh, a Chris Seven Slats dot com one of our. Uh, uh, one of our uh, show friends, and uh, he goes and gets a, get, is getting all our interviews these days. Uh, he mentioned Drummond Island on, on a show and uh, was telling me, hey, you have to come up here, and it's really cool, and so on and so forth. And, of course, I had to t- tell him about, you know, Mr. Drummond and uh, the different strokes. And he didn't think it was funny either. So maybe it's just, maybe it's just a Drummond Island thing. So how is it, and this may be a personal question, but how is it, that you're able just to move up there. I mean, you, you thought it was really cool, and we've all been places we thought were really cool, but we didn't move there two weeks later. We're, is this like a witness relocation program that you're just really being bad at doing an interview? Well, most people think I'm running from the law. Um, but no, I <laughs> was working in the banking industry for a few years, and down in actually Ohio, um, which a lot of people in Michigan are not a fan of, so that helps. Um, and I just figured I'm... I can't wait till retirement to move somewhere like that. So I made it work. I quit my job, took what I had in my car with my dogs and just moved up, bartended for a couple of years, and it just worked out. I think things kind of have a way to falling falling into place for you. So you're not, maybe that's just a drum island thing. So you're not technically retired, but you were at that point where it was uh, something you uh, you could go do easily. 
No, I actually moved. I was uh, 21 when I moved up here. Um, I had just started taking off in my career at the bank. Things were going well. I just wasn't happy. And this place made me so happy. So I just took a risk. And I'm fortunate that it worked out for me. It's been a great adventure. And I know that I can potentially spend the rest of my life doing this if I wanted. So well, that was my motivation. That's really cool. Now, how cold does it get <laughs> up there? It's got to get just horribly cold. Well, for me, it's uh, I'm still getting used to it. You know, I grew up in the South Carolina climate, so the worst I've seen is negative 42. That was a bad oh, winter about 2018. That's not wind chill. So that's, cold, you really, <laughs> that's not wind chill. That's actual temperature, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, that was actual temperature. I don't even look at the wind chill. Sometimes it's negative 11 outside, but the wind chill is negative 35, and that's just I can't look at that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you moved here. So there must be something outstanding about this place that isn't the temperature, the cold temperature uh, related. I mean, everything freezes at that temperature, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I could walk to Canada from my front porch. Um, I've been working up the courage to do it. It's only, well, you can bike there. It's about a 13-mile bike from where I live, just across the frozen water. My goodness, that that's got to be really interesting mm-hmm. to see. And and you're from originally from uh, South Carolina, I think you said. So this must really yeah. be a different world to you. Oh yes, it is. It's. I question myself a lot, especially when it is so cold. You feel like you can't do anything, or your car doesn't warm up. But it's great. I've never been so happy. Something happens when you get on the ferry boat. You can you can just breathe. Now, are there any pictures of you in the negative 45 degree temperatures with the top off on your Willie's Jeep? <laughs> Nobody can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the can-do attitude I like. <laughs> I have done the polar plunge, which is digging a hole oh in the ice, and you jump God. in for as long as you can handle and cry about it for a little bit. And then oh, you're good. my God. And then that near-death experience that you have has to make you feel better about life when you, when you come back after they revive you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's that's how you stay up here. You just push it past the point of comfort. (laughs) It doesn't feel that bad. Well, well, like I told you before the interview, I I know little to to nothing about Drummond Island. I I, I didn't know it was so big. I think you guys could make this your own country with the right number of guns uh, (laughs) or or, or just float it a little little further north and east to Canada because you're the border uh, in the, the, for the water between the U.S. and the Canadas is like, I mean, you take a, a plunge off the north side of the island, or you, maybe it's even closer on the south uh, east side of it. Uh, it's just like the, the U.S.-Canadian bar, border is there in the water and very close. But anyway, um, so since I don't know anything about it, tell us something. Tell the listener here about, about Drummond Island and, you know, what, what you guys have to offer and, uh, you know, maybe the things that you th- uh, were really interested in. Um, well, I guess I will start off, obviously, with our off-road trails. Um, so according to a man named Steve Walker, who is the reason that we have our 100-mile trail system here, we were actually the first recognized ORV routes in Michigan, um, and they're absolutely stunning. I mean, they hit the most beautiful locations on the island. You're looking at ancient limestone cliffs. You're looking over Lake Huron. You can see the Canadian islands from some areas. You're going through old-growth forests, really unique old-growth forests that you can't see in many places in the world. Um, You can do all that right from your vehicle and just spend a whole day out there. And that's just one adventure. I mean, you could I don't think you could fit everything in a lifetime on what you can do here on Drummond. 
and, and of um, course, and of course, you guys have places to eat, places to stay. Uh, so you you could uh, get out to the island in your jeep uh, and then go on this trail, and then you could just stay on Drummond Island for the night. I would I would assume. Yep. Yeah, we have hundreds of room. Um, we have a few resorts. We have lakeside resorts, cottages, individual rentals, a couple hotels, a few restaurants. There's about five, some year-round. Um, you can drive your Jeep right onto the ferry boat. If you didn't, I mean, some people don't like taking their off-road vehicle up as the only mode of transportation, so you can trailer them right onto the boat. There's free trailer parking. A lot of the resorts actually have parking for you, and you can stay as long as you want, really. How long is the ferry ride? about 10 minutes okay so it's it's pretty pretty close mm-hmm. we have a, a the bolivar ferry down here in the galveston area and i think it's somewhere around 40 to 50 minutes long and uh i i'm, I'm uh, where i grew up was right next to the san jacinto monument in the battleship texas uh and uh, there was a ferry there that we would actually have to go across to to get to the other side to go to school or go around but the, the, the bus usually went around mm-hmm. but that that ferry ride was like 10 minutes so uh, the the ferry uh, uh, has a kind of a near and dear thing to me because uh, we have a couple of them down here in Texas and it can be quite fun. I mean, the one that uh, we go uh, on Bolivar to over to Bolivar, uh, you can uh, occasionally see dolphins out there swimming alongside the uh, uh, <laughs> swimming alongside the ferry. I wouldn't think you'd see dolphins where you are though. Maybe maybe some narwhals or something. Maybe that. <laughs> people on their jet skis circling around you <laughs> polar bear yeah hey come here come here um yep. <laughs> so uh and i was really surprised too you guys actually have an air- airport on this island mm-hmm. yep it's um it's again quite small but we have a lot of locals that or you know summer residents that have their own aircraft and that's how they get back and forth um that's typically all we use it for right um, so, but I mean, the airport is, is still really cool. And if you're a private pilot, uh, you might not, I mean, you mm-hmm. obviously wouldn't be jeeping, but that would be one possible way of getting out on the island, kind of a direct route. So what kind of elevation mm-hmm. do you have there? You mentioned, uh, the, the, the shale, uh, shale cliffs, uh, is, is there a lot of elevation change on the island or is it uh, kind of flat? Um, I would say as far as Michigan goes, even it is relatively flat up here. Um, one of our highest points is Marblehead. That's one of our most famous locations on the island. And that you're looking at about a hundred foot. You're standing at the top of a hundred foot limestone cliff there. Um, So really, I mean, not much. I think we're about 741 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at. So, I mean, you know, if if you were in Southeast Texas, that would be impressive. So don't, it really just depends on the crowd. (laughs) Now, how much of the... If you're used to mountains, it's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Now, how much of the island is is occupied? I mean, uh, I'm seeing uh, roadways on here, but it kind of seems like the north and the the east side of the island is is kind of uh, of open, open wilderness. Yep. So you're looking at a little bit over... 30% 30% is occupied, and a little over 60% is all state-owned land. So that's all the wilderness that you're looking at, and that's where most of our trails are. Mm-hmm. Um, so most people closer to the ferry boat on the west side and, like, the north shore of the island, that's where most residential areas are. Um, and then everything else is just untouched wilderness. There's occasional logging out there, but we do still have some old-growth forest. Right. 
So I see uh, lots of little, I don't know if these would be considered uh, water, like if it's salt water or if it's fresh water, but like first lake, second lake, fourth lake. I love the naming on these lakes. Uh, it's really simple. <laughs> We're creative. <laughs> it's the cold. Yeah, so you, you, don't have, you don't have time to talk. You just got to get it out really quick. <laughs> hey, if you could be anything, you should be efficient. So. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So, uh, what is the temperature range? I don't, I don't want to leave everybody with the idea, especially people like me that are from down south. Uh, I don't want to let everybody think, well, it's negative 45 up there. I'm not going. What kind of, uh, what is the temperature range uh, there on Drummond Island during the year? Um, you know, in the hottest months, you know, late July, August, we're looking at the 90s sometimes. It's, um, I compare it to like New Zealand typically, though, for the warm months. It's a very comfortable know 75 to 85 typically we don't have a crazy high humidity beautiful climate the air just feels good um i love fall up here it's not too cold you just wear a light jacket and you still have that for a couple months out of the year fall colors are beautiful um our winter is long longer than a lot of areas mm -hmm. um but it's it's worth it i think it being so dry might also help i had to guess um it's it's not as painful as the wet cold winters that you can get other places right um so uh I, I was just looking at some of the events uh that you guys have out there and i i saw that you wrote uh, jeep jamboree will not be here in the winter for 2022 uh, but it will be there in june is that uh, still holding out to be true correct yes um i believe we had a the winter jamboree I think that was an issue with the pandemic that made us reschedule it. Oh, okay. Um, and then just having a winter off-roading event can be pretty frustrating with how muddy and wet our trails are at that time. It just causes a little too much degradation, so we try to keep it in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're sense. looking at June 16th to 18th for this year. Now, is that a, a normal, a typical thing that Jeep Jamboree comes out there? Is that an every year, once or twice a year thing for them? Um. Once a year, I believe this year is our 29th, so it's been going on for a while. Well, it's got to be a great place if the Jeep Jamboree goes there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeep Jamboree is actually, um, it's part of the reason we were able to get all of our trails here on the island. It came out in the mid-90s, um, and then, I mean, we got the trail system developed. It started from old railways. We used to have a lumber company here on the island. Um, that, and then two tracks out to deer camps was all we had and we had a few gentlemen here that made their trail vision come to life and they worked directly with Jeep Jamboree back then to get it going and that really gave us validity and made it so that we could get these RV routes established and Jeep Jamboree could keep coming back every year. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, if somebody, if somebody's just hearing about this and they go, wow, this sounds like this would be a lot of fun to, to take the, the Jeep and the wife out to. Um, what kind of a Jeep do you need? Can you just take a stock uh, four-wheel drive Wrangler uh, Gladiator, uh, maybe a, a, a four-wheel drive uh, a Cherokee, one of the old ones? Would would they be able to get on your trail system and be successful with it? Or do you guys have, uh, what, are the trails uh, like Black Diamond, do you have ratings on the trails? Uh, we do have an ORV difficulty route. And I would say, just to put it as simply as possible, you can, yes, take a stock Jeep up here and you're going to be able to get to some wonderful places. But, you know, if you had 33 tires, if you were lifted, locked, and you were set up, you know, with a winch, the more you have modified on your Jeep, the better it's going to be just so you can access 
some of our most difficult trails. Um, we do have, we have an area of our trail system called the tank trap, and it's just deep pitted mud for several hundred yards, and that's something that you wouldn't take a stock, stock jeep to. Um, you could get one, however, to Marblehead. If you wanted to crawl down our, our Marblehead stair steps, you'd need something a little bigger. So right. It's just, if you have one, totally bring it up. Just know that you're going to have to look at the difficulty rating and choose which trails to go on to avoid breaking something sure sure no uh, and that should be that should be a typical thing for uh, all uh, trail systems around the country uh but uh, it, but i think it's great if you have uh if you can go out there and enjoy something maybe you just got a jeep and you're looking for an adventure and you'd love to go to a beautiful place uh and as long as you can take your your stock four-wheel drive jeep out there and and see and then then you have to say well i gotta upgrade I want to do those those stair steps. I got to do this. I got to do that. So you know, it's a good explanation to uh, the the spouse as to why you need to upgrade, right? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to take your spouse if they might not be too into off roading. I've seen people come out with a you know a negative mindset, and then you get them out on the trails, and by the end of the day, they're a whole new person. See, this is what I'm thinking. You get you uh, you get them into the sickness uh, easy. Like it's just beautiful here. See, this is the things we can do with this really expensive thing that we bought. All right. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a sales a salesman uh, thing. Um, so the other yeah. thing I was going to ask you: Do you have anybody that can take people out on the trails if they're not experienced on the trails? Maybe a guide or something. Yes, I'm so excited about that. We finally got one um, this year. His name is Jay Stressman. He just started his company. It's called uh, Discover Drummond Island Adventure Tours. Um, and he can take people out. Uh, he does, He's currently the only caters to self-owned vehicles. So if you have your Jeep, but you're worried about going out on your own and getting lost, which is a valid concern, we don't really have much self-service on this island. So having that guide is really helpful. Um, but you can find him on Facebook. He's also on our website. He himself, he has a four-wheeler, so he can take out groups on the four-wheeler trails, on the off-road trails. He works, I've seen him have groups with side-by-sides, four-wheelers, and Jeeps all in one. Very cool. I'm glad I asked that because now there really isn't any excuse uh, for not going out there and enjoying uh, Drummond Island. And uh, that website information is visitdrummondisland.com once again. So, man, this sounds like really cool. If it wasn't like a bazillion miles away from me, it might be fun to go up there. <laughs> well, mean, now you know you can fly here. <laughs> oh, I right got, but I have to have the Jeep, you know. It's just not as much fun if you, oh, right. <laughs> if you don't go with your Jeep. So that would be like a, I mean, that's like going to the moon from here. That's all the way across the country. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, it's, it's, it's not as uh, far uh, uh, south to north it is uh, east to west well you know you know how the kids love the social media uh, do, are you guys on the social media we've mentioned the website a couple of times visit drummondisland.com are you on the Instagram the Tic Tac any of that stuff yes we are on Facebook Instagram Twitter and TikTok TikTok is very new and I am still navigating that so <laughs> Aren't we all? follow along in my journey of, of making those videos it's been pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> um, but all of them are visit drummond island or visit drummond so facebook visit drummond island instagram the same twitter tiktok all visit drummond island excellent well that is great you'll have to come back and uh, join us sometime whenever uh, something happens something big is coming up and uh is is there uh it, when, i know you mentioned when the temperatures are better or warmer is there a, a the, 
you said fall is what you like, but it, for the, the average jeeper, when would you think would be the best time to visit Drummond Island? I would say if you want a muddy, challenging, sloppy experience, go for late spring, right when the snow leaves. You have all that snow melt, you have all the mud. It's going to be a little deeper for our water holes. Um, if you just want total warmth and, you know, a drier ride, midsummer, you know, late July, early August, that's going to be great. And then if you want a little less congestion on the trails and some beautiful fall colors, a little less mud, but not quite as dry as summer, I'd say mid-September. So you got those three tiers, depending on your preference. Sure. Very, very cool. And, of course, if you go to visitdrummanisland.com, they have a, a, a humongous website there with all kinds of little uh, drop-downs and tabs that you can click on and all kinds of great information there. So, And I'm sure that we just covered the, the scratch the surface of, uh, of the information you can get from the website. So, so go over there, plan a trip, and make sure that whenever you go there, that you let uh, let Brett know or Brette know that, uh, that mm-hmm. you listened to the Jeep Talk Show and uh, that's where you heard about it and got interested to go out there. Brett, I want to thank you a lot for being with us here tonight, uh, and uh, we'll have to have you back again really, really soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've got to give thanks to Big Fat Jeep Wave out to Brett Crane for taking the time to come on and share with us just how much there is to do with our Jeeps on Drummond Island. You know, Tony, I, I'm with you. I really didn't understand how big the, that that place was. I, you know, I took a look at uh, some of their uh, trail maps recently, uh, and I was blown away just like how many miles of trails that Drummond Island has. I, I thought it was pretty small. Come to find out, this, is, this area is actually quite big. And it's, how cold does it get there? Oh gosh, it was negative numbers. I want to I want to say like negative forty seven, but that and and I'm talking yes, Fahrenheit. I know, the number blew me away. I was like, that's no crazy. way. I mean, that's must be wind chill. I don't know. No, yeah. no, it, it was damn cold. I mean, this is what Canadians got to put up with. I mean, you, if you swim too far away, you'll be uh, crossing into the Canadian waters. So <laughs> it's right there on the edge. Talk about a polar bear plunge. Jesus. Yeah. Well, if you have an idea for a guest or you work in the off road industry, maybe you know somebody who does. Well, how about you yourself being a guest here on the Jeep Talk Show, right? Everybody's got a Jeep story to tell. We want to hear yours. Head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your ideas for our next great guest. Who knows? It could be you. And coming up next week, Matt Felderman with AEV Conversions. You guys remember the Brute Conversion for the TJs? Oh, beautiful, beautiful work. Specialized Jeeps, and they make them. Living the Jeep life from mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers. It's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hey, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. Before I get started on part two of what to expect when you upgrade to 35 inch tires on your Jeep, I wanted to share an email sent to us here at the Jeep Talk Show. Jeep Talk Show listener Dean from Illinois reached out to share a tip to help anyone having issues removing their shifter knob, like I mentioned on episode 569. Dean says, I was listening to Tammy talk about removing the shifter knob on her Jeep and thought I would pass along this tip. After my own trials of trying to pull, tap, tease, yell various obscenities at, I went to the YouTubes and hoped to find an answer. Here's what I found. One, remove your freedom top or soft top. I'm sure this all sounds silly, but it worked. Number two, put a 2x4 across the roll bars over the shifter. Use it on the edge, not laid flat. 
it's stronger that way. Three, get out a ratcheting tie-down strap and loop one end over the two by four and wrap the other end around the knob. Four, start tightening the strap, hold down the knob so that when the knob pops off, it won't fly off and hit you and lose an eye. Think about holding on to the cork of a bottle of champagne. Number five, have a beer because the damn thing finally came off. I hope this can help one of my fellow Jeepers, Dean from Illinois. Oh my God, thanks Dean. What a great tip. I wish I had heard about this back then because I totally would have tried it. I was at my wits end trying to get that stupid knob off. I don't think most people realize how difficult those Wranglers can be. Unless you have tried to remove one yourself, you just don't get it. It's a Jeep thing. Okay, on to part two. What to expect when you upgrade to 35-inch tires on your Jeep Wrangler? When you upgrade to bigger tires, of course, you almost always are going to need a lift on your Jeep. That won't be the only upgrade or changes you will need to make. Sure, maybe for the short term you'll be good, but eventually those bigger and heavier tires are going to wear on those factory components like they did mine. I already mentioned the front drive shaft and ball joints. Also, while we were changing the ball joints, they welded the sea gussets for more strength. There are many more places you should shore up or upgrade or eventually you will need to replace the parts. When you add that lift in those bigger tires, your geometry can be off. The inner tie rod ends could go bad, and those control arms on the JKs and JKUs, especially if you wheel, are going to have issues. Those control arms are hung pretty low, and you most likely will at some point come down hard on them, which will alter them, like I did. Strengthening your shock mounts and control arm mounts with beefier brackets is another good idea. I bought mine from Core 4x4. It's also a good idea to watch the tread wear on your tires and make sure you get regular alignments. It's a good way to detect the bad geometry. And you can also do an at-home check to make sure everything is holding up. Inspecting the movement of your tires. You're going to need to make sure you unload your Jeep suspension. That means getting your Jeep up on jack so your front tires can freely move. By moving your tires in certain directions, it's going to give you an idea of what issues you may have. First, try putting a pry bar underneath the bottom of the tire and try moving it up and down. This could be bad ball joints. Taking one hand at the 12 o'clock position and another one at the 6 o'clock position and moving your tire back and forth. Feeling the movement for play. If you have movement, that usually means wheel bearings. Now, if you put your hands at the 3 and the 9 o'clock position doing the same thing, that's most likely an inner tie rod and that's bad. Now, do your due diligence on that, though. Research it first. It may not always be a bad tie run in. Look closely at that tie rod movement. It could also be your steering knuckle, just like mine. I had the Yeti, the Yeti steering system, badass steering system, and I had that movement. It was not my tie rod end because they have some beefy, beefy components. It ended up being my stock factory steering knuckle. The hole got wallowed out, so I had to replace my steering knuckle. And when you replace yours, be careful of any aftermarket ones because aftermarket ones could require a certain lift size and certainly upgraded steering. I just went ahead and went with the factory steering knuckle again. Good routine maintenance and visual checks along with the tire check can hopefully find problems before they become catastrophes. Now, like I said, bigger isn't always better. Think about what you're using your Jeep for 
before you decide to upgrade. Some people may think bigger is better, but I can tell you for sure, bigger drains your bank account. You know, I'm glad uh, that, that uh, Tammy, or yeah, Tammy had us, I'm getting Tammy and Wendy confused again. Jeez, I need to. I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> you know, they're definitely two different people, but I, no, I think 100%. it's from just saying, uh, it, <laughs> this one person does voices, of course. <laughs> uh, it, it's just so, I think it's hard to, to switch from saying Tammy so often and then yeah. uh, and then having uh, Wendy come in, but uh, definitely not any kind of uh, uh, degradation being you no. know, calling you Tammy or anything like that. And I, it, yeah. you know, it would bother me if no, I was just, called. Just the wrong know way. that I'm having a stroke or losing my goddamn. Yeah. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad you brought up. You know, uh, you know, checking your tie, doing those things like checking your ball joints, your tie rod ends, all of that very simple, easy to do stuff that you can do in your driveway with you know virtually nothing almost, and saving yourself so much time and money. Uh, you know, without having to go down to the alignment shop or, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the mechanic shop or whatever and diagnosing a lot of this stuff yourself and saving your tires and uh, getting a little bit more life out of them. And that's what it's all about, right? Being able to uh, get the most out of your Jeep for as long as you can. Thank you, Tammy, for bringing us another great article in two parts is awesome. Well, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. And don't forget, Jeeper, we've got a newsletter that you definitely want to get uh, get your hands on. It's got a whole bunch of information about what's coming up with the Jeep Talk Show, what we're doing, what we're going to be doing, what we've done, and of course, how to join in on the fun. Want to be a part of the Campfire Side Chat? Want to get some inside information as far as a giveaway that's coming up? It's all in the newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter. Don't worry. We're not going to spam you. We don't sell your information. Nothing, nothing like that. And it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Hope to see you soon. Well, that's all the Jeep Talk Show we got for you for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show in all your social posts. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. And if it doesn't feel good when you scratch it, something's wrong. Talking about a winning scratch it lottery ticket, what did you think I was referring to? Come on. Podcasting since 2010.